0: The Daily Rios, Episode 648, Smallville, Season 4, Part 2. Hey everyone, this is your host, Peter. Week 14 of the Daily Smallville series of podcasts. We are in Season 4, which started in September of 2004, and we'll be looking at Episodes 6 through 10, which are entitled Transference, Jinx, Spell, Bound, and Scare. I'll also be talking about the final Smallville comic magazine, issue number 11, which was released around season four, episode number eight. And the Daily Smallville, if this is your first episode, is my way of going through the Smallville TV series uh, episode by episode. This was a project that I began back in 2021 that I abandoned in these podcasts Uh, I'm covering several episodes in a row, but you can go to the website and find individual posts based on individual episodes, and you can also uh, follow the Smallville series through that. With these episodes, I'm not going um, super, super in-depth. I'm not going to tell you what each episode is about. I'm not doing a book report on the episode, basically. I'm just going to give you a short synopsis. And then what I try to do is I look at some story points. I try to see how the story of Smallville is growing episode to episode, how Clark's character and his origin grows, finding new layers, how the Smallville series differs from comics, obviously. And since we're four season seasons in the show has built its own mythology so we're we're really digging into whatever that is and it's really great when we get some callbacks and some connectivity um or we see what's been forgotten along the way i also try to talk about some character stuff either individually or character pairings and interactions because that's a popular thing for smallville We obviously got introduced to Lois Lane in this season, which adds a new wrinkle, and then I'm keeping watch on some larger things, like the weirdness of Smallville, or the building of the larger DC universe through the lens of this Smallville show, if we get some new Kryptonite Monsters of the Weeks, um, how the show became a blueprint for the Arrowverse, obviously, but Also, other superhero-related TV, etc., etc., etc. So, as I mentioned, the larger notes you can find on the website. What I'm doing here is just truncating those notes. And if you want to go episode by episode and see all the notes, just go to the website. You'll see dedicated Smallville posts. You can hit any of them. Hit some tags, like the Smallville tag or the Daily Smallville Tag, and then you'll get everything I've done up to this point. And you can have a rewatch of your own. General thoughts for these five episodes. On average, they are stronger than the first five episodes by just a, you know, just like a small amount. Um, I gave Transference a five, Jinx a four, Spell was a 3.5 to a four, Bound was 3, and Scare was 4. The highest you can get is 5. If it's an average episode, it's a 3. Anything lower than a 3? Um, well, e- even 3 itself is kind of like, meh, you know, you don't really need to watch it, or we're starting to slip in terms of, of craft and execution. As I watch these five episodes, I realize some stories are coming to the forefront and other ones are not being addressed. So this season is really going into Lana's brush with destiny and magic and the tattoo on her back and um, dipping into the crystals of power and the caves. We're also slowly building this mystery of Jason Teague and his family. We get more information about the Crystals of Knowledge, the Crystals of Power, um, whatever secrets Lex is, is up to with Kryptonite and Luther Core, and he's messing around with powered beings. We're starting to get into that. What we're starting to lose with this season, that I'm noticing, is the importance of the Kents to Clark's development. You know, if the first first three seasons, especially the first two, had to do with Clark and coming to, you know, realize who he is and what he can do and what he is, of course you need the Kents. But in this season, he's not really focusing on too much of that anymore, which means the Kents are starting to get pushed to the side, surprisingly. So I'll point that out in um, when I when I really notice that in this batch of episodes. Okay, so let's jump in with the strongest of this batch, as I mentioned, Transference, Episode Six. I gave this a five. This is the highest marks I can give. What a fun, fun episode! So Clark goes to the prison where Lionel has has been, uh, you know, imprisoned for the past couple episodes. He sees that Lionel is trying to assault Lex, and Clark gets in the way. Lionel has this stone, which is one of the Crystals of Power, and he manages to transfer his persona into Clark, and Clark's persona gets into Lionel. And then, of course, you know... You start dealing with these actors acting as the other person. So you have Tom Welling acting as John Glover as Lionel, and you have John Glover doing his best Clark, doing his best Tom Welling impression. And that's what really makes this episode so much fun to watch. I've said it before, I love John Glover, and... What Tom Welling does in this episode is pretty good. It's pretty good. I have to give it to him. So not only do you have that on an acting level, but then story level, you're like, oh my God, Lionel's going to learn everything, right? And we get to see how all that's going to play out. We get to see how Lionel as Clark um, has scenes with Chloe and Lana and the Kents. And then, of course, by the end, you know, things get put back and there are some consequences but all in all, really strong episode. Todd Slavkin and Darren Swimmer are your writers. They they have a good track record for me on their episodes, and it's directed by James Marshall, who I just think he's probably the best director on Smallville. Almost every episode he does, I really enjoy. He has a great eye for capturing scenes. He he knows where to put the weight. When it comes to acting or the drama of, you know, moving the camera around, he just gets good work out of the actors and out of editors and out of cinematographers. I mean, it's just his episodes feel real polished. So, um, yeah, fantastic episode for the series. Probably could be in my top five at this point, maybe my top ten. And it's a benchmark. You know, every season seems to have like that one episode that's like, "Wow, this is really great." And I f- in ep- in um, season two that was Insurgents, and I feel like for season four this is the episode to beat. Now this is the benchmark in terms of craft, in terms of some mythology, and I just feel like it's going to be a hard episode to beat. I also feel like this is the kind of episode you can only do this late in the game because the actors are so familiar with each other. So of course they can mimic the way they say things and way, and the way they say names and mannerisms. That comes from, you know, now three years of experience with each other. I also really appreciate how every act is super compact with info and information. The dialogue feels natural. Um, I just feel like every episode should strive to be this good. And unfortunately, they're not. But, yeah, really great episode. All right. So I mentioned that we're introduced to another crystal of power that has the same symbol as the one on Lana's back. Apparently, it's the crystal for,, um, this is the crystal of water. And uh, it the one that we already have is air, which means the only one we have left is fire. Clark is drawn to the crystal with that same noise that he heard in the uh, opening episode of this season. That's why he goes to the prison. That's where the transference happens. And when we look at like, okay, so let's look at Clark, who is really Lionel. You know, Lionel is in Clark, but it's Tom Welling playing Jonathan Glover, playing Lionel through Clark. It's just so amazing. Some of the things that happen here, um, Tom, uh, it's hard, let me see. I'll just say it's Lionel, but you know that it's he's in Clark's body. So Lionel discovers Clark's strength, and he has a scene with Pa Kent. And you can see that things are starting to fall together in his mind. He has a real creepy scene with Martha, because you have to remember that Lionel has a crush on Martha. So even though it's a scene between mother and daughter... Uh, mother and daughter mother and son, Lionel is in Clark so there's a, a real um, just odd, odd uh, creepy scene and and there's a heat vision joke that goes back to, you know, when Clark actually found his, uh, found out that he had heat vision and it, it was attached to his libido. That was funny. Martha can tell that there's something not right, not right in Clark's eyes. There's a scene between Clark and Chloe and Lionel is such a jerk to her and he toys with her because it is Clark and um, he just really, it's its really crappy and um, you enjoy it because it's Clark and you enjoy it because it's Lionel and it's Tom Welling as Lionel but man is it creepy and he calls her Miss Sullivan which should be the tip off for her. Um, when he meets Jason, Lionel starts to play up the teenage side of Clark, and I wrote it, I wrote here, this is where Welling is really just having so much fun, he's killing it this episode. And then he has a scene with Lana, and he kisses her. Lionel kisses Lana as Clark, which is like such a theme for Smallville. The only time anybody ever kisses is when they're either under the influence of something, or, they're not re- they're not even in their right body you know um and this causes tension between the two Lana slaps Clark and you know we obviously know why this is going on on the flip side we have Lionel in prison but Clark is in Lionel's body and he finds out that Lionel is dying there's a scene where Lionel gets beat up in prison and i thought that could be interesting because Clark could experience what it's like to have pain in such a fragile form. They don't really follow up on that, but I I um, thought of that as a an interesting notion for Clark's education. And this is all all this stuff that I just said all just happened in the first two acts, and we still got three more acts to go. It all comes to a head in Act Three. Um, Martha visits Lionel in prison. She realizes that it's Clark. Um, we get a scene between Clark and Lex, and I love the way that Welling just, like, bursts through Lex's doors because it's very much how Jonathan Glover does it, where he just plows right through the doors. Lex realizes that even though it's Clark, it's actually his dad, but um, Martha steps in with Kryptonite, which freaks Lionel out, as Clark, because he's like, what is this? I don't even know what this is. So then he goes after Pa to try to get information. Like, why should this be affecting Clark? And I I remember thinking, oh, all of this stuff in Lionel's mind should just start to come into place, right? Or just everything that he's been witnessing about Clark and kryptonite and the the oddness of Smallville, it should start to make sense. What this episode tells us is that Even though I thought, um, even though I thought Lionel knew what was going on, this episode is basically telling us that no, he has all this information, but he still does not know the truth about Clark. He's really discovering it here. Um, I don't think they're trying to be sneaky with us, right? I don't think they're trying to show Lionel discovering all this, but he already knew it, you know, I I really do feel like they're trying to say, no, he's learning it here. Uh, and then we see what happens by the end. So at the end, obviously they go back to, to their original bodies. And because of this, Lionel is healed. His disease is gone. However, he doesn't remember anything. Now, could he be faking it? You know, we thought he was faking it when he when he was blind. Um, is he faking it here? I don't know. But he does say, Lionel says, "...something inside of me has changed profoundly. I am not the same man." So obviously the essence of Clark did some kind of whammy on Lionel. We will see how long that sticks. With Clark, he finally tells Kent, the Kents about the crystals, and he said that he hid it from them up to this point in Season 4, because he just wanted to put jor behind him. I wrote here, yeah, it's really because they have 20 plus episodes to do. And they can't just always focus on the main mythology. Because then they'll just run out of material, you know. In this episode, Clark finally learns that Lana and Jason are a couple. And um, through this episode, uh, there's a cellmate of Lionel who was responsible for helping him to find this crystal of power. His name is Edgar. He manages to go free by the end of the episode, so when he's leaving the prison, he gets into a car, and in the car is Bridget Crosby, played by Margot Kidder, who is an associate of Virgil Swan, Christopher Reeve, and she manages to get one of the crystals of power. So we have a crystal... Already in the cave from episode one of the season. Now we have the second one that is out there in the wind. And we don't get any more information about this crystal for the episodes that I've seen so far. Uh, We'll see if it'll play out in the back half of this season. We get a little bit about Lana learning how her family is connected to the Countess that uh, she was studying. um, But that'll play out in a later episode. So yeah, really strong episode. A definite must-watch for this season. Episode 7, entitled Jinx. I gave this a 4. So we get introduced through Chloe as she investigates this underground gambling ring at the school. We get introduced to a foreign exchange student named Mikhail Mitsulpitalik. And he is betting on the games. Clark is involved in the football game. We're getting near to the, uh, you know, to states to the to to the championship, and we learn some things about Mixelpiddlek. We learn some things about Clark in terms of how Mixelpiddlek's powers can affect Clark, and it all has to, you know, it's it's got Lex involved. It's got Chloe involved. Um. And it's one more episode where Chloe just seems to put herself into harm's way when she really should learn know better when dealing with either a new person coming to Smallville or just a, a person with odd odd person an odd personality or powers, etc. But I have to say, I did give it a four. I like this episode. I don't think it's totally necessary to watch, but it is great to see, as I mentioned before, um, ...the Superman mythos through Smallville. And so we get the classic Superman-Mitzlopitlick conflict. Everyone feels real comfortable in this episode. The dialogue works. The production values are fine. Um, There are some smaller story beats that make the episode interesting to watch. Um, It's one of those episodes where the B-plots are probably more important... ...than the A-plot, but at least the A-plot was still interesting to watch. So Mikhail is here in Smallville. As I mentioned, he's a foreign exchange student on a Luther scholarship. Of course, Lex wonders why Lionel has any interest in this. Um, As I mentioned, the Smallville football team, they're having their final game before states. And Mikhail is watching this... And he manages to get Clark to stumble, but Clark doesn't... He stumbles, but he recovers himself, which is a surprise to Mikhail. But as he stumbles, he plows right into another player who gets injured. And this is everything that is, you know, Pa Kent's worst nightmare about Clark playing football, which has been a thing for this season. Um, pa is upset because something really bad could happen, but Clark is trying to defend himself because he felt like something happened. Jason tries to, like, dig into why Clark hurt this person. You know, the coach is suspecting steroids, but I kind of read this as this ongoing notion that Jason might know a little bit more about Clark, so we'll see how that plays out. When Clark tries to test himself to figure out what went wrong and also to see if he could play football without his powers, he uses kryptonite, and he tries to get, like, kryptonite poisoning to see if it's something that he could use to play, but obviously he can't. And this is something I've been watching, too, about the inconsistency of kryptonite on the show, where he's literally, like, holding kryptonite, but he's not collapsing, you don't see signs of it on his skin, whereas other times they just kind of, like, Show They have Kryptonite near his body, and he he completely collapsed, and he can't do anything. So, a little bit of inconsistency here. The story for this episode really comes to play in Act 4, where Chloe and Clark are getting together to figure out how to stop Mikhail from doing what he's doing. Um, Pa and Clark have a scene before the big game, the big final game, where Clark says, look, no matter how hard you try, you can't understand. This is my decision, not yours. And eventually in this argument throughout this episode, Pa comes around and he says, you're starting to sound more and more like your father. Another example of Clark growing up and maybe pulling away from Pa, I mentioned that in the last Daily Smallville podcast, you know, I think the show... Is trying to get Clark ready for when Pa is not going to be, be around. So they get to the big game. It's the last play of the game. Mikhail threatens Clark. Uh, they do the sound, they, they do the thing that's going to uh, stop Mikhail, which involves sound. Um, it, it works, but doesn't work. And then he's got like Chloe uh, as a hostage. And, I don't know, there was all this stuff going on in this Act 4, and I was like, I'm invested. I I don't remember what happens. They're getting the pacing right. Um, It's pretty good. It's pretty good. And, of course, Clark uses his speed to not only save Chloe, but win the the game and win the conflict against Mikhail. I almost wanted them to show that he upped his speed because of what he learned from Bart Allen two episodes ago in episode five in the episode called Run. That's the kind of connection I wish they would keep with the show, but they didn't. But in my mind, I'm like, yeah, he's doing this super speed thing because he learned a little bit more about speed through Bart Allen. That's my headcanon. Of course, Smallville wins. Um, this football story, story arc has been going on since episode 3 of the season, so it's nice to see it come to a conclusion. And then when we get to act 5, Clark calls out Chloe for getting sucked into yet another strange manipulator, which I was like, yes, of course, thank you. Uh, she replies, well, we all have our weaknesses, except for you, of course. And I've been getting hints that maybe she wants to get back into the Clark investigation, and we'll see how that plays out in another episode. Lex and Mikhail meet up, and Lex takes Mikhail to level 7, whatever that is, uh, floor 33.1, where Lex tells him, look, you're not alone. So, again... um, this season being about Lex trying to acquire power or powered beings. In this episode, Jason gets fired. Lana is pissed. He gets fired as assistant coach. Lana is pissed at Clark because she thinks he did it. And Clark goes to Lex and learns that it was Lex that got him fired because of the relationship between, you know, an assistant coach and a student. But also, there's something else going on, right? Lex says, you know Lana isn't meant to be with Jason, Clark. And Clark says, you didn't do this for me. Why did you do it? And the episode ends on Lex. He doesn't answer. He just smiles. And you're like, huh? (laughs) Now, if you know what's gonna happen, you know where this is leading to, and there has been hints in previous episodes as well. But it's a strange little it's a strange ending, not gonna lie. Um, but I I liked it in the sense that it was very, I don't know, soap opera-ish. Plus it was like a a cliffhanger that is not the norm, right? So yeah, a little bit of an on-ending, but overall I really liked this episode. Then we go to episode eight, spell. After Lana touches a spell book written in the 1600s, she gets possessed by the Countess. And uh, eventually, Lois and Chloe also get possessed. We get Lois back in this episode. They all get possessed by these three witches. And it becomes uh, an episode about um, the Countess Margaret Isabel Thoreau In the body of Lana Lang, as she's trying to find the stones of power and she's causing chaos in Smallville. And Clark once again realizes in this episode, and it finally cements that he really is vulnerable to magic. So, unlike the transfer episode, transference episode, where you had Clark and Lionel, or I should say, John Glover and Tom Welling playing other people, this time around it is. Uh, Kristen Kruick's turn to play somebody else, and it eh, just, I don't know, it's not as not as good. Not as good. This was written by Stephen S. DeKnight, who was like the original Daredevil Netflix showrunner, which I thought was interesting. I thought this was going to be a Peterson Souters episode, even though at this point they are producers and story producers, so it could be their idea that they just gave to somebody else. But it feels like it could be their kind of episode. Back when this first aired, this was probably a really fun episode. This time watching it, I gave it a 3.5 to a 4. It's okay. You know, they bring back Lois just because they need a trio of witches, but she's not really used for more than that, other than some comedy bits. We do finally get, you know, the Isabel stuff addressed, which is good. And by the end of the episode, it's mostly done, although she still has the tattoo, I think. And we will still get some more stuff after this episode. So it's an okay episode. I don't know if it's necessarily um, that important to watch, but, you know, it's fine. So I'm just going to go through some notes here. Um, The flashback to the witches being burned... Goes back to sixteen o four. The caves go back to the fifteen hundreds. Just to give you some reference, um, as I mentioned, it's it's Kruick uh, playing like she's possessed, but it's also her again playing a character that that her family has a connection to in the past, just like that. Other episode in like season 2 or 3 where she played like a great aunt or something like that. Chloe is back, or Lois is back in town because she wants to throw an 18th birthday party for Chloe. So we're starting to age up our characters this senior year, which is interesting. The other thing we learn is as Isabelle, as Lana, is trying to craft some spells, she needs the hair of two virgins. So she pulls one from herself, telling the viewers that maybe Lana and Jason aren't as hot and heavy as the show has been trying to suggest, which is kind of weird considering some of the scenes we've seen so far. But I thought that was good because it also, in a subtle subtle way, addresses the question of their age gap. So Lana's a virgin. Uh... Isabel tries to pull hair from Lois. Lois is not a virgin. Uh, Clark, and then there's a, there's this whole like Silver Age thing, where Lana is trying to cut Clark's hair, but of course the scissors break, so she can't cut the hair. But he can pull it out of his own head, which I thought was like what? Um, and then she can use it. But you could sort of say like maybe because she's magic, that's how she can use the hair. But this also implies that, yep, Clark is a virgin as well. We get a scene later where Lana comes to Lex. She recognizes the map that Lex has in his studio. It probably belongs to the book that Lana found that caused this whole episode to begin. And then she makes the page disappear. And then they never talk about it again, I don't think. And I was like, I was like, wait a minute, that's weird. Um, she gets Lex to play piano for all eternity. I was watching this going, okay, here it is again, another instance where someone is possessed and the other person acts like it's like they've like it's never happened before. I feel like alarms should be constantly going off whenever any of these friends start to act weird. Like just go, hmm, no. You know, punch them, knock them out right away before anything can happen to you. Uh, It's at this point where I wrote, I wish this was directed better. This is starting to feel a little bit too much like Hocus Pocus. Especially in Act 3, there's a party. The party for Chloe is like this rave going on in the barn. And the witches get involved. Clark gets involved. It becomes this, like, you know, Baknelia thing. The witches are just causing everybody to be decadent. Tom Welling is being overly silly as he dances with Lana and Chloe. And I'm like going, okay, what's the whole point of this episode again? Eventually, Isabel explains it to Jason that she just wanted one last fling before she started her new quest and she wants to get these these, um, crystals of power. I thought, wow, Jason is really calm seeing Lana possessed and learning all this information. It's almost like... He's no stranger to odd things. We get some conflict stuff. We get Jason rescuing Clark. There's a brief moment where it looks like uh, Jason is surprised that Clark is injured because the witches somehow managed to suck Clark's power out of him. Uh, Isabel kisses Clark again. Another instance where two main characters kiss, but it's because somebody is under the influence of something else. Um, The whole thing winds up in the caves. Clark eventually gets his powers back. And I was, you know, sort of wondering when all this Isabel stuff was starting, I was like, are they connected to the Crystal of Power anyway? To these crystals? And they are, but not in any way that is involving the origin of Clark. It's just that she too, like Lionel, like Lex, found out that there were these objects and she just wants them because they have power. So it's like, okay, that's good. You know, I was real worried that she also was, you know, like some kind of Kryptonian demon or something like that. It's like, I don't, we don't need any more connections like that. So as I mentioned, it all winds up in the caves. I think at this point, everybody has been in the caves either prior to this or now they all... I know Lana has been there before, Clark, obviously. Um, Lois has been there before at the start of this season. I can't remember if Chloe has ever been down here before, but now she's there as well. So we learn that Clark is vulnerable to magic. He tells the Kents that, and... um, Lex tells Lana that he was the one that got Jason fired. She's not happy about that. Uh, we get a scene between Lana and Clark, and she still has like uh, that secret. She still has the thing about the tattoo. I don't think Clark knows about that just yet. So Lana is sharing some of her secrets, and she can sense that Clark is still holding something back from her, So, it's not quite pushing their relationship, but it's just reminding us, you know, that this is how they are. This is how they are. And then it ends with Lex in the caves, looking at the same symbol that's on Lana's back. And it's at this point that I just want all the cave stuff to wrap up, but I know we have to get through this season before that happens. Okay, so now we're going to cut in here and talk about the Smallville comic, issue number 11. This is the final issue and we will not have any other comic series until after the TV series ends. This was released November of 2004. It has an interview with Jensen Ackles, it has one comic book story, and then it finally wraps up the season guide for season number 2. So you can kind of see like maybe this series even the reason why it lasted only 11 episodes 11 issues is because it's not terribly relevant, you know? Because they have to produce this so far in advance. Um, Like, the interview with Jensen Ackles is, I think, it's an interview maybe before the season even started, or only one episode came out, but we're already up to episode eight, you know? And they're only up to season two for the season guide. Like, really, by now, they should be up into season three. So either it was a pain to produce, it wasn't well-received. The comic story in this is fine. It's called Nature by Dan Thompson, Tom Derenick, Adam DeCracker, Jared K. Fletcher, and Guy Majors. It's basically the, the Kents are berating Clark for becoming lax in his duties at school and the farm because of all the Smallville stuff, because of his quote-unquote Superboy life. And that makes Clark run away, because that's what he does. And he runs away just as a big storm is going to threaten the Kent farm. So Clark gets roped up into an affair in another country against this mutated kryptonite man-panther thing while the storm is raging on in Smallville. Lex comes to save the day at the Kent farm. Clark rest, does what he needs to do. And then by the end, the Kents forgive Clark, and and then that's the story. It's, it's okay. There's like one splash page that's really good, but otherwise it's okay. Um, the interview with Jensen is pretty good. We learned some information. Things like he claims that he was also up for the role of Clark Kent, that it was down to him and Tom Welling. When he was approached to play the role of Jason, he says, I didn't necessarily want to come on board and be window dressing or another Whitney. I was like, ooh, ouch. Okay. Uh, And ultimately they said, you know, no, we're going to do some more things with Jason than that. They bring up the Superman movie that was being developed at this time and how Jensen auditioned for it. And he has a funny line where he says, I met with two directors of the film, but they keep switching them. He mentions how he hasn't met with Brian Singer, but he did meet with Brett Ratner and McGee, which means if he's mentioning Ratner and McGee uh, and that he hasn't met with Singer, they're basically talking about the Superman movie that was being developed by a script, or through a script, by J.J. Abrams. So it was supposed to be called Superman, Man of Steel. It got the nickname of Superman Flyby for some reason. Both Ratner and Mick G were up for directing that version of that script, but then by the time Singer comes on in 2004, that's when that script would get Pushed aside, And they would uh, eventually develop the movie that would become Superman Returns two years later in 2006. So I did a little, you know, little information, very little information about Superman Man of Steel or Superman Flyby at the time. Um, and I was like, wow, see, once again, it goes to show how Hollywood has just, you know, tunnel vision, and very uninspired casting decisions. It's my constant gripe about casting the same actors over and over again in similar genre movies. And this totally gives support to that because it shows that they the reason why this happens, why people get cast in multiple genre things, is because they keep bringing them in to audition. They can't think beyond what they already know. So for instance... In this era of 2003, 2004, maybe even 2002, for this J.J. Abrams script, they brought in Amy Adams to audition for Lois Lane. They brought in Henry Cavill for Superman, you know? So it's like, yeah, duh, it's no wonder they eventually got the roles later, you know? Um, And then you read other names and you're like, what? What? They clearly are just pulling people in because they're popular at the time. Like David Boreanis for Superman? No. Anthony Hopkins for Chorel? Which means he would have been like the father of both Superman and Thor, which is crazy. They mentioned during the McGee era uh, that Robert Towney Jr. was cast as Lex Luthor. Crazy. Very crazy. So, yeah, it, actors get recycled. And they get put into, like, a casting type. And then they just keep bringing them on, you know? It's like, um, I forget what actor that was who just constantly auditions for, like, superhero movie after superhero movie after superhero movie until they finally land one. But then by the time they land it, it's like, eh, really? That's who you wanted? I don't know. So, uh, that's it. That's really all that magazine issue is about. That's all I pulled from it. And I don't necessarily think that volume, that you must read it. And if you're going to get it, you know, all 11 issues, plus plus the one shot that came out before it, try to find it on the cheap. All right, so we have two more episodes to go. Episode 9, Bound, which I gave a 3. Lex is accused of killing a young woman. Clark helps Lex figure it out through Lionel. Uh, Lana has a dream of an ancestor, another of her ancestor during the witch trials. And then we meet this new mysterious second woman who happens to be a dead ringer for Jason's mother. What? Who arrives in Smallville and meets Lana for the first time. So this is writer Luke Shellhas and director Terrence O'Hara who O'Hara has had some good episodes so far, on the average. But this this episode, yeah, it's a flat three, very average. The A-plot, you know, this whole murder mystery thing didn't do anything for me. The other plots eventually got interesting, but it's not strong. Um, it's a watchable episode, and I guess it's important for introducing Mrs. Teague, Genevieve Teague, But by the end, I was like, nah, I wasn't engaged with this at all. So as I mentioned, it's a murder mystery trying to frame Lex and make him pay for the endless stream of women that he gets involved with and then he just discards them. And it features Kobe Smulders, who appears in this episode just under a year before How I Met Your Mother and eventually before she becomes horribly miscast as Maria Hill. That's right. I said it. She's horribly miscast as Maria Hill. Um, So she's both victim and mastermind going along with another woman who happens to be Lex's lawyer in this episode, and they're just trying to get payback for uh, what Lex did to both of them. So as I mentioned, uh, you know, it's an okay episode an okay episode, Uh, there are some things to pull out, such as Lionel again mentioning, I felt as if a different kind of energy has been inside me, something strong and good. I was changed. This is in relation to transference. And Lionel wants to help Lex through this because he recognizes the darkness in Lex, just as there was a darkness in Lionel. Now again, is he trying to do this for real or is it a ploy we'll see he says to Lex I want to be your father and during that scene uh Lex just gets up and walks away but then he stops and he kind of like looks back at Lionel Lionel doesn't say anything and Lex is like kind of surprised because If you've watched any of these scenes between father and son, you know that whenever Lex walks away, Lionel has to get the last word in. And in this instance, he doesn't. There's also no music during the scene either. So uh, I took notice of that. I thought that was a smart writing thing. Eventually, Clark and Chloe team up to solve the case. Um, They realize, you know, what had happened and how this is a, a game of... There's like some um, body switching, like physical body switching. Um, there's a real dumb sequence where Clark and Chloe are in an elevator and they're trying to reenact Lex and this girl having a smooch session because it leads to like some evidence. And the two of them are like, not really hooking up, but getting close. And I was like, oh, this is... This is weird. I don't, I don't like this episode or, or that scene. So what they were trying to find is that maybe uh, an earring fell. There's a whole thing that has to do with an earring. It's not important. And Clark finds it, which makes Chloe kind of go, how did he find that down the elevator shaft? It's like one more thing in this season where Chloe again is getting closer to be like, I need to investigate him again. Ultimately, I think the reason why this episode doesn't work for me is because it's another one of those episodes where there's some kind of connection between a main character and a character we'll never see again and will never get brought up again, or barely. So think of Clark's younger, quote-unquote, brother, that character known as Ryan, who was in two episodes and was supposed to be, like, so important to Clark, but he barely mentions Ryan. Or Kayla from the Kawachi tribe, who was a skinwalker that Clark apparently loved, you know. So, you know, I, I get it. People come from the past to make, an, and it's really about the story and the present and about the characters, but it just doesn't work. Like, this episode just doesn't work because of that. So, um, as I mentioned, just when you thought all the witch stuff was done, we get more of that this episode with the arrival of Jane Seymour as Genevieve Teague, And it's this she's playing also playing this strange woman that showed up during the witch trials that Lana has been dreaming about. So it's like she dreamed about Jason's mother before she actually meets him. And that just adds to more clues building up that there's more going on with the Teagues. Apparently there was a falling out between mother and son. We've been getting references to him and his father, but now we're getting reference to him and his mother. Mrs. Teague thinks Lana recognizes her. It's because of the dream. And it's very soap opera, very soap opera. This mother coming out of nowhere, Jason being pissed off. Again, feels very on brand for the Souders Peterson writing team if they are behind this on some kind of like story producer level. And even Lana's like, did I just meet her by accident or not? And I'm going, yeah. Not only did you not, you know, not only is it not an accident that you met the mother, it's probably not an accident that you met Jason as well. This is also the episode that made me right here. The Kents are getting pushed aside because they are not part of the story. And what happens is in a few of these episodes, Clark comes to them at the end to try to talk about what he's learned, whether it's based on his powers, whether there's some kind of moral lesson. And he tells the Kents about Lionel uh, and that Lionel no longer has this disease and he's a changed man. Maybe it has to do with the transference. But I'm thinking, wow, think of how fundamentally ingrained they were in, in most of the episodes for season one and two especially. But here they're just acting as like a sounding board to wrap up an episode. So... We'll see. We'll see if they get any more coverage in the second half of this season. And then we do get one sort of important scene here at the end between Clark and Lex, where uh, Clark says, I feel like we were enemies. Lex says, don't give up on me yet. And I thought, hmm, there's some real double meaning there, right? You know, Lex is trying to say, don't give up on me. We will still be friends. But he also could be saying... Don't give up on me. Yeah, we are going to be enemies someday. <laughs> so I like that little bit there. Bringing us to episode 10, Scare, which is a four for me. This is where a Luther Corps experiment is released into the atmosphere, a toxin that causes its victims to hallucinate their worst fear. So, Chloe, Lana, Jonathan, Martha, Jason all fall victim to the toxin, as well as Clark and Lex. Clark and Lex try to find a cure. Uh, They come up with an antidote, and eventually everything works out. This was written by Kelly Souders and Brian Peterson, Uh uh-oh, directed by David Carson. But I have to say... Surprisingly, even though it's a Souders and Peterson episode, I really liked this episode. I thought the story was engaging, even if it is a bit derivative in a lot of ways. There are are several big developments in the Smallville story in this episode. Jason gets pushed forward. Lionel gets released from prison. Um, We might be getting the revelation, or we might be, someone might be learning Clark's secret later on, and it worked for me. And I wrote here, it makes sense that this is the mid-season break episode, because it is fairly strong. It is fairly strong. Even though, as I mentioned, the main plot is derivative, I have to say, for Kelly Souter's Brian Peterson episode, this is probably my quote-unquote favorite so far of their episodes. Which is not a high, mar- high benchmark, but, um, you know, I have to give credit where credit is due. The prologue is really strong. Um, if you watch enough of these episodes, I could tell that it was a dream right away. You know, I could just tell. I could tell by the way they were acting, the way it was written. But what I liked about the prologue is I couldn't figure out whose dream this was. So Lana comes to Clark and she's trying to sex him up. But she's still, you know, dating Jason. And then Jason comes and beats up on Clark. And, you know, through it all, I'm like, is this Clark's dream? Is this Lana's dream? But then it's revealed that it's Jason's dream. And I like the attention to detail that in Jason's dream, as he's fighting Clark, Clark gets hurt. Which means that maybe Jason doesn't know about Clark and Clark's powers. Because if he knew you know, Clark wouldn't be hurt. That's also the reason why I knew it was a dream. I mean, by that point, you know it's a dream. But Clark getting hurt, you know, you kind of go, oh, this is clearly some kind of dream. So I like that. I I thought it was a real good opening. Plus, because it is Jason's dream or nightmare, one of the things that Lana says to Clark before the fight is that, She thinks that maybe Jason's in Smallville for some other reason, but it's Jason's nightmare. So that just gives proof to everything I've been saying that obviously he's here for uh, another reason, which we knew. We knew that, right? But it's just at what level is it um, at this point? We don't know that just yet, but I like that that's his nightmare, that Lana will figure that out. And, um, yeah, just a real good, real good opening from there. Like most episodes where something gets spread throughout the town, um, we get people who act a certain way or we get nightmares, you know, we've seen a lot of this stuff before. Um, it's a bacteria mixed with meteor rock. It has to do with, you know, again, Luther core, some experiment that Lionel is doing because he's messing around with things he shouldn't be. Uh, it's basically Smallville versus the stand. So for Chloe, her nightmare is family trauma-based, where she sees herself bound up in a psychiatric hospital, and then Chloe turns around and uh, or this person to- turns around, she's in like a straitjacket, and she turns around and it's Chloe and she's got this real freaky look on her face and i almost was like mm, this is this is this shouldn't be directed this slow but then i did there was a jump scare that got me so i thought that was good lana's nightmare is that everyone that she knows is dead which has been a running theme you know her parents whitney other people who have left her life um they even get the same actors who played her parents in the pilot And I thought that was good, because again, some cool, scary makeup on Lana, um, pushing larger themes for these characters. Like, the Chloe thing is completely new, but the Lana thing has been talked about before. Then we get to a hospital scene, and in the middle of it, there's this explosion. And Clark is there, and he's like, oh my god, what's happening? He looks out a window, and there's another meteor storm happening. And I was like, whoa, that got me. I really had no idea what was going on because I just forgot about this episode. And then you realize this is Clark's nightmare where Lana finds out that he's an alien and she freaks out and she almost wants to kill him. So I thought that was a really great scene, really well done, and might be a premonition of things to come. When the Kents are eventually struck down by this uh, disease, Clark is pissed And he rushes to Lex, and he's almost like, he's like, look, I beat this, so use my blood, and it's almost going to happen, but then they find another way to make an antidote, and it's another instance where Lex is like, you know, Clark showing up in the middle of whatever crisis they have to save the day. It's like the, the third time that has happened in this bunch of episodes, and of course Lex should be like, what the heck? But instead, Lex uses the antidote on himself. We get a flashback of what his worst nightmare is. It's based on the same vision that he had in Season 1, Episode 6, Hourglass, where he's the president. He has a glove on one of his hands because he lost his hand. The nukes are flying all around the world. Apparently, he's he's standing on some skeletons, and some of them might be superheroes, like Batman and um, maybe Green Lantern or, or a hawk person. I read that somewhere online, and I was like, trying to really pay attention to that scene, but it's so hard to see. They said you can see Batman's cowl, but I was like, mm, I don't know if I can see it. So I'm like thinking, what's his worst nightmare? That, he's, that he loses control as President of the United States, maybe? And then the episode wraps up. Obviously, everything, you know, goes back into play. Lionel gets released from prison. He's basically almost kicked out of prison. Um, He wants to stay, but the warden is like, nope, you're being released. Someone set it up. And um, during that scene where he's having a confrontation with the warden, he says, I love the line where he says, look, I even tried to bribe the president of the United States to get me out, but I want to stay in here. He wonders who could have released him. And the warden says, well, obviously someone more powerful than you. I was like, ooh, that's got to hurt. So yeah, Lionel walks free. He gets into a limo. He laughs and he's almost like saying, oh, of course it's you. But we don't get to see who it is. It reminds me of episode six where I talked about Bridget Crosby meeting that guy and getting a crystal of power, so it's like this weird bookend between those two episodes. I'm thinking it's probably Genevieve Teague, I just don't remember. We get a wrap-up with Clark, the Kents, uh, all about Lana, where because of Clark's nightmare, he really feels like he cannot tell Lana his secret. And Pa says, look, I'm not sure that it's Lana, but I am sure that someday there'll be someone you can tell. And I was like, yep, there it is. The show, once again, setting up that now that Lois is here, she's gonna be far more important, obviously. Uh we wrap up Jason and Lana. Jason is leaving because of his dream. And this Lana doesn't believe the reasons that he gives her for leaving, and he just leaves. She thinks there's something more to it, and she's right. But he just leaves. So I don't remember where this goes. And then we get a last scene between Clark and Chloe. Because through Chloe's nightmare, we learned that she has been looking for her mom, who has been gone since she was younger. We did know that. And that Chloe found her mom in a mental institution three months ago. And of course, she's worried that maybe that's where she'll wind up. Clark says, you're not destined to follow in your parents' footsteps. And um, the two of them just have, you know, this, this real good sort of like friendship connection through their nightmares, you know. And then Clark says that his nightmare is that everyone he knows is gone and he's alone. So it's a little bit of a lie, but it's not totally untrue. Chloe says, I wish I could say that I'll always be there for you. But somehow I get the feeling that may not be a promise I can keep. Which is interesting. It's like, why is she saying that? Does it have to do with her nightmare? But it's also interesting because considering where her character winds up, she is about, she's the only other character that lasts the whole season. So we get Chloe and Clark bonding over these nightmares. Chloe all but saying that she knows there is more then Clark is letting on, and if he can't tell his best friend, who can he tell? And that's where this cliffhanger ends, and I thought, considering the conversation that Clark had with the Kents about Clark knowing that he cannot tell Lana, does is this supposed to be a way for him to tell Chloe? Or maybe, maybe she's realizing that she's not his best friend, or it's setting up that she will find out his secret soon, one way or the other. So, I think that's the case this season, I just don't remember, and we'll find out in future episodes. That wraps up this chunk of episodes. Next time around, we will get to episodes 11 through 16, six episodes, for uh, part three of season four, Because that's where they take their spring break after episode 16. Uh, As I mentioned, follow the episode notes on the website if you want all the notes. And eventually I will be back with season 4, part 3. I don't know when I'll be back, right? Um, I have those digests that I I still have to throw out there, you know, that I'm slowly catching up on. But when I can, I'm going to try to get these episodes out. All right, email me, peter at com. Go visit the Daily Rios website and the Daily Rios Instagram. Follow me on Twitter, Peter J. Rios. This has been the Daily Rios, episode 648. Talk to you soon.